of the bigger, more popular breweries um, here in the Portland area. And I think their distribution at this point is pretty wide along the west coast of the United States, at least. They opened in um, 2010 and started as a brew pub in northeast Portland. And then they gained popularity mostly through their IPA, which is kind of become sort of the gold standard for the Pacific Northwest style mm-hmm. IPA. Um, and then now they have a new brew pub that they recently opened in Northwest Portland. And then they have their production brew facility down in Milwaukee. So as you can see, it's a very traditional looking Pilsner color. And I'm going to take a few sips here and see how it goes. Uh, that reminds me that the beer that I'm drinking, even though their main brewery, which is one of the largest breweries in the Northwest is in Hood River. They have a small brew house somewhere in Portland. It doesn't, they don't say where it is exactly, but that's where all of their beers that say Brewmaster Reserve, which it says right here. Um, so anything that's Brewmaster's Reserve or Brewer's Share is actually brewed in Portland, and it's kind of their experimental facility. So this IPA for me, it doesn't pair super well with the cigar. It does cover up some of the spice which is kind of what you usually get with an IPA. But it, it brings out like some sweet cedary notes that I kind of like. It's, uh, it's a little different, and it makes the cigar almost taste like a different cigar, but not necessarily in a bad way. How's it's, your pairing going, Barry? It's funny. When you guys talk about beer, I'm like lost. Because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of groans out there, but I don't like beer. Um, exactly. I mean, I'll drink Sam Summer in the summer because, you know, that's what we do in New England. But you guys got it made with all, it seems like, you know, you guys are the boutique capital of the world in the Pacific Northwest with all mm-hmm. the boutique cigars, all the boutique alcohols. Me, I tend to like things that are a little bit sweeter, and I don't find that in beer. Uh, but I am finding that with the Kirk and Sweeney 12, which kind of has a little bit of a, a bite to it. I'm sure with the 15 and the, uh, excuse me, the 18 and the 23-year-old, it's probably a little bit smoother. Um, I find the older you get on rum, it could be dangerous because it starts to go down like water and it creeps up on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the bite on the rum kind of works with the cigar because there's that peppery finish. So you get the bite on the rum, retrohale actually helps the cigar out a little bit. Um, Without the retrohale, the the, the finish of the rum is overpowering the cigar. Retrohale comes into play. Uh, sort of a balance is created. All right. How's that Pilsner working for you, Jason? I'm finding that it's a nice, um, it's a nice contrast. The the Pilsner has a very kind of a, like a light, crisp, and almost like a floral finish to it. And then when you take a puff of the cigar, you really, you really notice the spice. I think it really highlights the the spicy characters in the cigar. And then it kind of serves to cleanse your palate um, in between puffs. One of the things that I think is cool about some of the craft brewery pilsners out there is that if you if you drink a lot of the cheaper kind of mass market pilsners, sometimes they tend to have more of a metallic flavor to the finish. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that, that the nicer ones from craft breweries really tend to have this really light, crisp finish, and they're just really drinkable. Yeah, I, I find it like... For the longest time, I thought I didn't like Pilsners. Like, I started drinking IPAs, and then I went, got into craft beer and stuff like that. And I just never went back to Pilsners because it was like, well, you know, those mass market beers that you can get a 30-pack of for 10 bucks are Pilsners, so I don't like Pilsner. 
And then when I started trying the craft stuff, it's very different from what what you kind of expect if you've never had a Pilsner from a craft brewer. Yeah, it's kind of, um, I compared it once to someone that it's kind of like having like your grandma's old casserole recipe, but instead of using cheap canned ingredients, you use fresh ingredients from the garden. <laughs> That's actually a really good comparison. All right, we're going to take another quick break for one of our sponsors here. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars? Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidity. Uh, back with sharing our pairings, we're pairing the Vegas Cubanas by Don Pepin Garcia uh, with, I mean, just some various beers and liquors, I guess. We're, we don't really have a theme this week. Um, so my next one is one I had on the show a few weeks ago. This is a rum. I think Barry, this might have been on the last episode you were on. Uh, this is Brugel 1888 or maybe Brugal. Uh, this is a 14-year-old rum that is aged for eight years in bourbon barrels and then an additional six years in sherry barrels. So it's got a very, uh, like, bourbony kind of flavor with a little bit of kind of scotch influence with that sherry. And I don't recall where they're based. I believe, yeah, Dominican Republic. Um, but there's there's not a ton of information available about them. And I just kind of picked up the bottle because it looked cool, and I was looking for a rum that day that I hadn't had before. Barry, what about your last pairing there? It's a little bit of a shameless plug. Uh, I work at Two Guys Smoke Shop, twoguyscigars.com. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Um, and we just had an event with La Aurora, and we had that time capsule series, and we actually paired it with that Brugal, and I was surprised at how smooth and clean that rum is. And I always thought of Brugal as like a low-end, mm-hmm. sipping, mixing, right-on-the-border type of rum. But that rum is phenomenal. Uh, but my next pairing is going to be the Glen Fittich Project 20. And uh, let's see if I can get the simple. We might be losing Barry. Okay. Are we still losing me? No, you're back. All right. So a few weeks ago, I went to the liquor store, and I wanted to get the first Glen Fittich Experiment Series which is uh, Asian India Pale Ale Casks, and it's uh, a scotch that I, whiskey that I had uh, a couple months ago that was phenomenal. And I got so excited that they had it in stock, I grabbed the wrong bottle. And uh, I grabbed the second in the series of the Glen Fittich Experiment Series. And uh, this one combines the finest casks chosen by 20 industry experts, and they say it creates an innovative single malt where the 20 different casks that were chosen were combined into a single expression. It's uh, 47% alcohol by volume. It's uh, distilled at Glenfiddich Distillery in Scotland, Speyside. And uh, it's a smoky scotch. And uh, I haven't paired it yet with a cigar. It's been something that I usually smoke at the end of the day, uh, something I drink at the end of the day. So this will be my first time pairing it with a cigar. So is that also aged in IPA barrels, or is that a, just a different kind of experiment? This is a different. Experiment. This is a different experiment. They take twenty different barrels. Okay. 
I guess they break it down and they create a, from what the information sounds like, it sounds like they break it down and they create uh, one barrel out of the 20 different barrels. Yes, and, and I would guess they're not taking, bottle. Ten, I would guess they're not taking like 10 10-year barrels and 10 seven-year barrels and just mixing them together. It sounds like they're probably taking 20 different expressions and then mixing various 100%. amounts of those. A hundred percent. That's what it seems okay. like. And uh, I'm not pairing it, but if you get a chance to get that Indian pale ale, it, it's a phenomenal scotch single malt to pair with a cigar. Um, when I go out to a cigar bar, um, that's all I've been drinking lately. It's just a really excellent single malt. I need to track some of that down, I think. Sounds good. What's your last pairing, Jason? All right, so my last pairing um, is the Colonel E.H. Taylor Small Batch. This is the bourbon. Um, the Colonel E.H. Taylor is owned and operated by Buffalo Trace Distillery, mm -hmm. and there's actually nine different E.H. Taylor brands. Um, E.H. Taylor also makes a rye, which is very good, but it's on the pricier side for rye whiskey, and it's a little bit hard to find. It's one of those things that comes out annually at a certain time of year, and you kind of got to get the timing right with your liquor store. Um, but the bourbon is one of their year-round offerings, and uh, I find that it's, uh, it's on the spicier side of bourbon. It is 50% alcohol by volume. So it, it's up there a little bit in the proof. Um, a little bit of background about E.H. Taylor. Um, they say that as the, as the founding father of the bourbon industry, Colonel Edmund Haynes Taylor Jr. left an indelible legacy. His dedication to distilling began at the close of the Civil War when he purchased the OFC distillery. There he developed innovative techniques that are still used today. Um, and this is still run by Buffalo Trace. They have a massive operation, so it's pretty easy to find. So, my last pairing is, it, it's an interesting combination with this cigar. I don't think this cigar goes very well with sherry. It's just kind of the, the spice and the sweetness from the cigar. I'm getting almost like a sour flavor from the sherry finish of this or, or this uh, rum. And it's it's very strange. I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, but I, every time I take a couple puffs and then take a sip, I get that kind of sweetness of the rum with the smoky and then that weird sourness that I get from the, uh, the sherry. It's almost like a, I don't know, I guess like a fruit sourness, like a blueberry or something like that. Jason, if you, if you alluded to this, my apologies, but once you said you were drinking this, I went to the sharing our parents page because I wanted to look for the picture of what you were drinking and it says bottled in bond. What does bottled in bond mean? Do you have any idea? Um, I actually don't know off the top of my head. I, I know that it, it's some kind of a standardized thing. I think it has to do with where the distillery is located in Kentucky. So, so do you know? I, yes. So it means it's sort of like, uh, Barry, you know what a bonded warehouse is for cigars yes. or, or other imported goods. Yeah. It's a distillery that doesn't have to pay taxes and, until product leaves the distillery. Okay. Uh, the, the bottled in bond, I believe there's like a specific set of rules for it. I believe it has to be over 100 proof. Is that over 100 proof, Jason? It is 100 proof exactly. Yeah, so pretty much everything I've seen that's bottled in bond is like 100. Um, 
maybe a little over, but I think everything that's bottled in bond has to be 100. Um, but there, there is a set of criteria that they have to meet to be bottled in bond. And then they get a bond from the, the government to, to be able to put bottled in bond on their, on their uh, bourbon. Interesting. When I saw it, all I could think of was James Bond. As, uh, hopefully one of you know what it meant it was driving me nuts early this yeah it, it's actually bottled by James Bond Dave right. how's your your uh, last pairing going there it, it's, you know it's 94 proof it's a little bit smoky um, if you take a pull on the cigar right after you finish your sip they don't really mesh well um but thankfully, the, the single has a very short finish. So you, you wait a little while, and it doesn't overpower. But if you follow them up back-to-back, probably not a good pairing. Okay. But as a standalone, it's a really good scotch if you like something that's a little bit smoky. It if does that- sound right up my alley. And, and since you're already talking, we do have an audience question specifically for you. Oh, geez. Uh, Pavel or Powell Nabs uh, says that he's seen you on Cigar Obsession rep- representing Miami Cigar, and now he listens to Cigar Authority every weekend, and he wants to know what made you move up to New Hampshire. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize that you listen to the Cigar Authority. <laughs> I have to do it two hours every week, and more power to you for listening to the nonsense. Uh, but <clears throat> I did... Um, a lot of social media work for Miami Cigar and uh, some uh, marketing, and they phased out the position. Um, they found out that it was cheaper to ha- hire a company out, uh, outside of the business, and it was kind of a mutual thing, and I remained very, very close uh, with the guys at Miami Cigar. And originally, I moved up to Connecticut to work for another retailer who, three weeks after I moved up, from Miami to Connecticut, decided he couldn't afford the extra position. So now here I am in Connecticut. I have nowhere to go. I have no idea what to do. And uh, my friend Lindsay Heller reaches out to me, and she tells me to reach out to David Garofalo, who owns Two Guys Smoke Shop. And uh, so I call him up. I reach out to him. He goes, when can you come up for an interview? I said, tomorrow. Drove up to New Hampshire. He gave me a cigar that was unbanded, asked me what I thought of it. They said it was one of the best cigars I ever smoked. Turned out to be Atabay. He hired me on the spot. Brought me to all three stores, introduced me to people. A week later, three years ago, uh, I started working for three years ago, Father's Day. The Monday after Father's Day, I started working for twoguyscigars.com. And the rest is history. I didn't plan to stay up here. I wanted to find a way to move back to Florida, uh, but I made some good friends, including uh, this girl, Michelle, that introduced me to my wife, um, started dating her, got married. Uh, now I don't want to live the leave the live free or die state. I mean, no tax on cigars, great prices on alcohol, no sales tax, and I have the most wonderful woman in my life. So that's how I wound up here, and that's why I continue to stay here. Nice. Uh, and Jason, how's your last pairing going? I've seen you it's sipping. Interesting. It's um, this is a very strong whiskey. Like even for a hundred proof, you might think that this is a little bit higher in alcohol percentage than that. Even um, massive pepper up front. So I'm finding that 
it really cancels out any of the spice and pepper notes in the cigar. But what's interesting is that I think it highlights kind of this sweet cedar quality that I really wasn't noticing at all before. Yeah, that sounds like exactly the kind of pairing experience on the cigar side that I got from the IPA. It's funny that you mentioned what you're drinking enhances the cedar quality. The smoky aspect of the Project 20 brings out the cedar on my cigar as well that didn't exist until I paired it with this Glenfiddich. Before then, it was peppery spice, a little bit of a sweet undertone, but with this pairing, there's, there's an abundance of cedar that didn't exist. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting that I... I mean, it's possible that the final third of this gets really cedary, but it seems like we're all just having a similar uh, pairing experience because I'm actually not getting as much cedar as I was from the IPA. I'm getting a little bit of it, but I'm getting a little bit more of like the uh, like an earthy note when pairing the rum. Dude, my, my biggest issue is when I drink beer, and, and I'll try it from time to time, you know, and, and especially if I find something that I've never heard of before. And, and before I moved to New Hampshire, you know, it was Budweiser, Corona, Heineken. Mm-hmm. And up here in New Hampshire, there's kind of that craft beer um, base, people that look for that craft beer. And my biggest issue with beer and cigars is I find beer to be a little bit bitter, especially in IPA. Oh, yeah. And the bitterness to me, it, it, it's like a long finish on a cigar. So it masks the cigar. And I've yet yeah. to find really good good beer that pairs well with a cigar just like wine you know i don't think really wine pairs well with a cigar because of the tannins in the wine Uh, to me beer and wine just have that similar quality of over of being a little bit too strong for the smoke um i've i've had beers and wines that pair really well i find for beers like the the kind of easy target for beers is like a, a stout particularly a barrel aged stout because you've got a little bit of that whiskey influence and then you've got more sweetness than you bitterness and kind of richness uh which tends to highlight a lot of really strong cigars very well i think um, but yeah on the on the lighter side and the kind of mid mid-bodied beers particularly ipas they can be really tough to pair simply because you your palate has to be ready for that now, I'm going to ask you from a beer novice standpoint, what is your favorite beer to pair with a cigar? Like, That's if you were telling me a guy who's not really big on beer, you have to find this beer and drink it while smoking a cigar, what would the beer be? The best pairing that I've had for a cigar is Prairie Bomb. It's, a, it's an imperial stout that's got a little bit of bitterness, but not too much. It is, they add, Coffee, vanilla, chocolate, and then barrel aging. Oh, and, and they also had ancho peppers. But everything is kind of, it's got a ton of stuff in it, but it's all in moderation. The ancho peppers just add a tiny bit of like tingle, not even like, not even enough to make it spicy. Uh, and then the chocolate is more adding bitterness than it is chocolatey flavors. And it's everything just kind of melds together into this magical, strong, uh, robust, dark beer. Say the name of the beer one more time. Prairie Bomb. The Prairie, Prairie Bomb. Artisan Ales makes it, and it's just called Bomb with an exclamation point. All right, I'm going to look for it. I've had that too, and it's a very good pairing. I think um, the key to that is get yourself a good, like, medium to full-bodied cigar, and it'll 
it'll go really well. Yeah. Another something really strong, like broadleaf strong, um, like a Liga or a uh, Cro-Magnon or something like that. Something that's really kind of in your face goes really well with that beer. Another good one is um, Dragon's Milk. That's um, oh yeah, New Holland Brewing. I like that one a lot. I actually yeah. just had some of that last weekend. I was pairing it. I had the Asylum Dragon's Milk, which was packaged in like a milk car, which mm-hmm. was a pretty good cigar. So well, I, I think so. Dragon's Milk is really interesting. We're getting way off topic, um, and we will have uh, an ad right after this. But the Dragon's Milk cigar is a really interesting thing, and the beer is because they started off getting these barrels aging beer in it, and then they thought, why don't we make whiskey? will age the whiskey in those barrels that had the beer and the and the uh, previously they had bourbon in them. And then they gave some of the barrels that held the beer to uh, Asylum Cigars, and they aged parts. I'm, I'm not sure what it was, whether it was wrapper, filler, binder, but they aged some of those leaves in the barrels that previously held beer, that previously held whiskey. Um, it would be really interesting if they made an Asylum Dragon's Milk Whiskey that was a cigar aged in a barrel that previously held whiskey that previously held beer that previously held whiskey. Too uh, bad with the FDA, yeah. they can't do that. Yeah, with the FDA, they can't do that, unfortunately. So, F the FDA. So, yeah, definitely. So, we've got uh, one final word from our sponsors here. Uh, we'll be right back. To you by Drew Estate. Until June 30th, if you're a Drew Diplomat member, you attend a rewards program event and make a promotional purchase, you will receive a Liga Privada Velvet Rat. You'll also be entered to win a Drew Diplomat Pewter Ashtray, Mega Standing Ashtray, or the Swag Closet Humanor, dubbed the Divorcinator. All these products were built and designed by Drew Estate Subculture Studios. If you're not a member, download the Drew Diplomat app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store today. We're back. Uh, with the final segment of sharing our pairings here. Uh, we kind of just finished going through our pairings. I'm going to go back to the Wiggly Bridge because I feel that the Wiggly Bridge really brings out a lot of the, the spice and the sweetness, which is what I really like about this cigar. And I just poured myself a little bit more of the uh, Glen Pittage Project 20. Even though it doesn't really pair well with the cigar, it's a really good single malt scotch. And... Uh, I figure if I leave any left with my brother and Wolf walk for this weekend, I'm going to drink the rest of it. So I might as well. So. You might as well enjoy it. Exactly. And after switching back to the Wiggly Bridge, I just, I get all that spice and that sweetness from the cigar. And then that, I really enjoy the kind of very corn forward finish of the Wiggly Bridge. It's like, you're right. It feels like, You've been chew- like you've been chewing on popcorn or something that wasn't buttered or salted, and you've just kind of got that corn chip flavor. And I think it goes really well with a cigar. I can see it. Uh, the only cigar I've ever had that had that corn chip flavor was the Wanderlust. I can see this going really well with that cigar. I was lucky enough to get a Wanderlust. I agree with that corn chip note. But Jason, of the three alcohols that you drank, which paired best with the Vegas Cabana? I think that the rye whiskey was the best pairing. Um, I think that the E.H. Taylor bourbon was a little bit overpowering, and it 
it brought out a certain characteristic in the cigar, but it, it hid most of the other aspects of the cigar that I was noticing. Um, and then another interesting thing, kind of as I tr- I just sort of transitioned backwards through it, is that the Pilsner was a good transitional sip from whiskey to whiskey because it really did kind of cleanse my palate and sort of get me back into a kind of a clean space to, to notice all the different flavors in the cigar again. I find Pilsners are a lot like champagne when it comes to a cigar. It's less about the flavor of the pairing and more about cleansing your palate a little bit. And just kind of, uh, I don't know, something about the effervescence of a beer or uh, particularly like a Pilsner or a champagne that's kind of lighter bodied just kind of resets my palate, which I like. Uh, And I'm going to go through and rate mine. You guys don't have to if you don't want to. No, I'll definitely do that. The Wiggly Bridge, I would give, like, I think, like, a 94. This is, Barry, you were spot on with this. It's so fantastic for pairing with a cigar. It's just got just the right amount of heat, just the right amount of flavor that I don't think there's many cigars that are going to be overpowered by it. But also there aren't many cigars that are going to completely blow your palate out to the point where you don't taste this whiskey. Uh, The Full Sail Hop Shooter, I think it was a miss. It it wasn't a terrible pairing, but it could have been better. I think uh, it's a little too hoppy. If it was just a little less hoppy, I think it would be a much better pairing. I'll give that one an 86. And then the Brugal is just a fantastic, fantastic rum that does not fit well with the cigar's profile at all. So that one I would give an 84. And I'll agree with you on the Brugal because I've spoken before. It seems to pair really well with Dominican cigars because mm-hmm. the Dominican full body is a Nicaraguan medium bodied cigar. Yeah. So the, the two kind of work well together. But in terms of the three liquors that I drank, 50% of all the liquor I drink is Wiggly Bridge. I, I really can't say enough about the company. I don't work for them, although they offered me a private tour. It's just I've never had a cigar that didn't pair well with that bourbon. There's a nice mix of sweetness. There's a nice mix of that, that dryness. And, and there's a little bit of a bite to it that works well with a peppery cigar. Mm-hmm. And I would probably give it like a 96. Uh, the Kirk is 2012. The sweetness of it definitely worked with the sweet undertones of the Vegas Cubana. Um, I'd be more interested to sm- uh, drink the, the Kirk and Sweeney in the 18 or the 23. Um, so the 12 for me just falls a little bit short, uh, but I could see the potential with age. And the Glenn Fittich Project 20 as a standalone is probably like a 98. But because it's so strong and there's that high ABV, it just doesn't really pair well with a cigar because it overpowers the tobacco. So that's my three pairings. Yeah, this is a really... Um I feel like it used to be kind of a, I remember it being much milder than it is. A hundred percent. But it's very, very mild compared to most of the Don Pepin Garcia line in particular and, and the rest of uh, the My Father cigars that they produce. And, and for me, this cigar works the best in the Corona. I know we spoke about it before the show and you like the Coro and, and also the Corona. But for me, the Corona 
is so much better than the other sizes. And I'm not saying the other sizes are bad by any means, but mm -hmm. I could smoke the Corona all day, every day. But I'm not sure about how it sits with parents because it's a little bit of a bite, a little bit of that spice. Um, it was definitely back in the day, which yeah. leads me to believe was a different rapper. Um, and you can tell the difference between the original release and then the, the, the full release, uh, because the, the full release is my father's but the original oh, it does, release didn't it? say. Um, yeah, and what I mean, the blend can't be identical because it used to be Fernandez tobacco, 100%. and now it can't be. Hundred uh, percent. Jason, how do you feel about your pairings tonight? So I think my best pairing was the Crater Lake Rye Whiskey. Um, I thought it was interesting because as a standalone whiskey, the Crater Lake Rye is probably not my favorite rye, but it worked very well with the cigar. I think having the lighter touch you know, helped highlight some aspects of the cigar. I would give that one probably a 93. I think that the um, Breakside Pilsner was probably my second favorite of the one, um, just for the aspect of cleansing your palate in between puffs of the cigar. I really felt like I was able to taste a lot of the more subtle nuances um, in between sips on that one. That's, that's like a solid 88. And then the E.H. Taylor bourbon is a great bourbon, but it's just a little bit much for the cigar. It kind of takes the cigar down to just that one note. So I'd have to give that one like an 86. All right. Um, and that, I mean, we had some technical issues at the beginning. There was about 10 minutes there where we had no audio. But this does bring us to the end of our Armed Forces radio segment for now. Um, we might have to add in some of the After Dark stuff. And we'll figure that out. Uh, but anyone who's listening on the Armed Forces Radio Network, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks for everything you're doing out there. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. John and I are going to be talking about our trip to uh, New York and Connecticut. Uh, and then next week we'll be back with another Sharing Our Pairings and another Cigar Chat. Thank you for all you do. I appreciate you. All right. And now we're, we're in our After Dark segment. If you guys want to stick around, we don't have to do it. Um, but I've got a little cigar left. We can we can hang out for 15 more minutes or so. Yeah, I, I like definitely it. have more cigar and more booze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> so I was speaking to my friend. He was uh, messaging me on Facebook. He said the latency seemed to be from your from trips end uploading because the fact that yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the fact that the three of us can talk with no problem, um, a little bit of latency issues. Uh, but we'll blame Facebook for that. So Yeah, well, I think it might be because I'm recording at the same time so that we can upload it to Facebook later. Um, but there is a gap in there because I think when I uh, when I stopped it, it got better. When I started it, I haven't heard anything bad yet, but I don't know. We'll see. I heard that every now and then there's a stutter in our speech. Okay. I'm interested to try this cigar in the Corona size now. Because I think that this this is good, and it has a, it has a lot of the core elements that I remember, but I feel like um, it's a little more subdued than I would prefer. Yeah, I think that one of the things that you kind of miss with the um, that I mean, when I think of like the old Don Pepin stuff, one of the things that it's missing now. Not that they're worse than they were, because they're they're not. They're just different. But they had very sharp flavors before. And that's I'm, something... 
I always get from Aganorsa. So like when I smoke a Warped or something from Casa Fernandez, really anything that's made at Casa Fernandez, they've got sharp flavors that are very defined. Um, and there's not, there's not a lot of like background flavors or anything like that. It's all right in, right in the forefront of your palate to me. I'm going to be controversial because that's what I do. Um, mm -hmm. It feels like companies oh, oh, we cigars. We, we lost Barry when he, when he started getting controversial. <laughs> All right. Skype didn't like it. I'm going to be controversial because that's what I do. It feels like my father's cigars and a lot of other Nicaraguan companies under-ferment their cigars, where Aganorsa goes through the full fermentation process. So if you look at stuff, um, like the, the sky flower and the, you know, it kind of has that more balanced, well-rounded flavor where some of the other Nicaraguan companies have that bite and it almost mm -hmm. feels like they don't ferment their cigars long enough. And you know what? My father's made the name for that. That's why you got that pepine spice in the beginning. His signature note is that yeah. spice right at the beginning. And I think that has to do with the fermentation process. And, you know, it, it works for my father. And I think a lot of other companies have tried to copy that. And, and Absolutely. Have, they haven't done it as well as Don Pepin Garcia. Um, but I think if Nicaraguan companies fermented their cigars a little bit longer, like Aganorsa Tobacco, it, it would be along the lines of Warped and Casa Fernandez and so on and so forth. And, but that's what sets my father apart from the rest. Yeah, I could I could see that actually. I I think you might be onto something there. I always have a hard time smoking the newer like Don Pepin stuff, I think, because the original, like the Don Pepin Blue, the Cuban Classic, this one, this was sort of the first series of cigars that I got into. Me that too, sort of yeah. brought me outside of that world of Macanudos and Romeo Julietas and just kind of your entry level stuff. So this kind of these original blends always have had kind of a special place with me. And the J.J. Maduro was so different than anything else Pepin Garcia has ever made. Yeah. I mean, that cigar had chocolate, mocha, cocoa, whatever you want to call it. It had that definitive sweetness that doesn't really exist on any of their lines. And, you know, I find it funny that J.J. was one of the lines they discontinued. But in the same point, it makes sense that that's the line they discontinued. Because it was more along the lines of cigars on the market already. Yeah, I think so, too. I feel like the current um, My Father stuff is a really good... It's still a good gateway out of that Macanudo territory. And it's like you kind of start focus, smoking the My Father. And then you get into the heavier stuff like the Tatuaje lines. <coughs> I think Tatuaje... Might be the best stuff to come out of the My Father factory. Yeah, but that's always been the case. That's what put My Father on the map. And I'll drink the Pete Johnson Kool-Aid any day of the week. Because if you go back in the day when I used to run a CigarSmoker.com before the CigarAuthority.com, Pete Johnson was the first brand owner that really acknowledged me and went out of his way to meet me. And, and, and you know what? It, as ridiculous as that sounds... As cigar bloggers or cigar podcasters, a lot of companies really look at us as being a detriment than really a positive. 
and the newest the newest school cigar companies get us. They they realize that we're a valid entity. Yeah, I know what you mean. But some of the old school cigar companies are still stuck on cigar aficionado. And let's face it, as much as you know, I like Gregory Matola and David Savona, and they've always been super nice to me. Print media is a dead media. So some of these old school cigar companies, like Altadis in general, they don't get the new school media. And I love Victoria from General. She's gone above and beyond to make sure we, you, I, we get all the information we need. But it just feels like they don't really understand um, cigar media, new media, so to speak. Um, I think, I think if you watch tomorrow's cigar chat, that might change your mind a little bit. Okay. But it's been a long time coming. This is 2017. Yeah. This should have happened in 2012. So, and I'm a little mad. I do agree. I'm a little mad at general because, you know, I'm two hours to the north and I didn't get the invite you guys got. So, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, so. But it is what it is. All right. Any closing notes, guys? Um, to close out, I would say that um, I definitely recommend um, trying this cigar with any kind of 40 to 50 percent rye whiskey. I think you'd have a good experience with that. Um, and it's good. I mean, I, I think that this is the nice thing about this cigar is like I could smoke this thing in the morning with coffee. I could smoke it in the evening with some whiskey um, after lunch. It, it doesn't really have a particular slot that you would need to fill it into. And it's Jeff, it's definitely not too strong. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's a very versatile as far as pairings go. I could see it with a coffee um, or even first thing in the morning before coffee um, or, you know, as a, as an end of the night pairing after dinner. Jason, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to smoke this cigar again this weekend. I'm going to grab a rye, and I'm going to see how it pairs. So I'm going to I'm going to share your pairing. Um, some people, but as always, I appreciate the invite to sharing our pairings. Hopefully, this will be the last time I say that every time. But I truly enjoy smoking with you guys, and thank you for having me. I, I'm sure it won't be the last last time, Barry. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, watch Cigar Chat tomorrow so you can find out about that trip to New York and Connecticut. Um, and tune in next week for a brand new episode of Sharing Our Pairings and Cigar Chat.